Good evening, church. My name is Daniel Bidney, and I get the privilege of uh, bringing the word to you this evening. If you do not know me, uh, I uh, volunteer at Providence in the college ministry, uh, PC3, and uh, it is my great joy and honor to be able to uh, be with you uh, via telecast tonight. Today is Good Friday, and tonight we remember the, the darkest moment in the history of mankind. As we reflect on this moment, and as we hopefully feel its weight, by God's grace, uh, by us feeling the weight tonight, we can more fully experience the joy that comes on Sunday. Here at Providence, we've been walking through a series called Anticipating Easter, And in this series, we've been walking through the Old Testament, seeing how all the moments of the Old Testament ultimately point to these moments, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And tonight, we are going to be in Psalm 22, as we just read, and then we will be looking at how it uh, compares to Matthew 27. Before I jump in, uh, would you bow your heads with me, and could we pray? Lord... We thank you that in this place and in this time we can gather. And Lord, we thank you that your word uh, is powerful. And Lord, we thank you that your son ultimately uh, was not spared so that we could be. Lord, I pray that tonight we will feel the weight of the the crucifixion of your son so that we can more uh, appropriately worship you. Would your spirit move in the homes across this city, state, nation and world. And Lord, would you be with each person uh, as they are tuning in this evening. Lord, would you be with me as I I preach? Would your Holy Spirit be present this evening? In your name we pray. Amen. So tonight, Psalm 22, uh, this is, we're in Psalm 22, and this is a psalm of David. And so what this means is that David was the author that the Holy Spirit used to write this text. And so in this passage, David has been experiencing suffering, and we don't know exactly what suffering uh, he is going through, but what most experts can agree on is that this psalm is metaphorical in nature, and that this psalm ultimately serves to point us to uh, the suffering of Christ. And so this this moment that it points us to, uh, this moment of the crucifixion, is the worst moment in history. It is worse than D-Day. It is worse than 9-11, it is worse than Hurricane Katrina, and it is worse than COVID-19 ever will be. This moment in history has implications for us all, and we all, every one of us, must wrestle with what we are going to do with it. We know that, that suffering is a part of our human experience. We see that in Psalm 22 with David, and, and we see that in our own lives, right? It's true, it's true of my life, and For a moment, as you sit there on your couches, would you even think of a moment you went through suffering? Would you sit there and remember the pain that you felt? Because in that, I want you guys to hold on to that feeling so that you can maybe get a glimpse of what Jesus was going through uh, when he was suffering uh, the, the payment on the cross. Tonight, we get to see a picture of Jesus suffering, not because he deserved to, but because he loved us so much, he suffered on our behalf. Tonight, we're looking at this suffering, and ultimately, we're going to see this idea that Jesus is the greater David, 
Because while both went through suffering, suffering, Jesus um, suffered so we wouldn't have to. And from this main idea, I have two main points I want to uh, nail down tonight. So the first one is what Jesus had to suffer, and the second one is why Jesus had to suffer. So my first point, what Jesus had to suffer. So as we read through Psalm 22, it should have reminded you of what the gospel accounts of the crucifixion was like. And this is going to be a theme as we walk through these passages because the gospels point back to this psalm specifically to show what what Jesus was going through. And to start, I'm going to walk through the verses in Psalm 22 that specifically deal with the suffering that David was going through. And then I'm going to show us how that ultimately points to what Jesus went through in Matthew 27. All right, so I'm going to run through them. I'll give you the verses as I go along. So Psalm 22, starting in verse 1, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then skipping down to verse 7, he says, All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. And then the psalmist continues to be mocked in verse 8 when when the people are saying, He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And then skipping down even yet again, we're going to be in uh, 12 and 13 where it says, Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. And then again, we're going to go down to verses 16 and 18. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Verse 18, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now in this psalm, we are uncertain, as I said, as to to what David was experiencing. We know that he is suffering, and and we know that um, people are ultimately causing him to suffer. David, if you know anything about his story, was one who suffered much. But the point of us going to this passage isn't to see ourselves as David or to reflect on our own suffering, but really to look at ourselves as the one who is causing the suffering. And if we look forward, we see that the Gospels use the same language to show how Jesus is the greater David. Let me show you. I'll be in uh, Matthew 27, as I said. Matthew 27, 35 is where we will kick off. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots, right? I'll skip down to verses 39 through 40. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, as we saw in Psalm 22, and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And then skipping forward even yet again to verse 43, They mock him again and they say, he trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he has said, I am the son of God. And then even yet again, skipping down a few more verses to verse 46, when it says, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemai shabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. So the point is, what did Jesus suffer? 
What is it that Psalm 22 and Matthew 27 are both pointing us to? Well, first, if we go through that list of things, we see that Jesus was stripped naked, nailed to a cross, and further humiliated by when the, col- the soldiers cast lots to see who would get his clothes. We see that Jesus then was mocked by the people. Jesus being mocked by the very people he came to save. Jesus was not held in high esteem, and his dignity was stripped from him. We see that Jesus is being tormented by the evil one. If we go to Psalm 22, um, 12 through 13, uh, that makes it clear when it's, when it's talking about, uh, in verses 12, 13, and 16, when it talks about bulls, a lion, and dogs in 16. And this imagery is supposed to point us to, and in the Old Testament context, they would have known that this pointed them to the evil one, that is, Satan himself. So Jesus is going through it all, right? He's being mocked. He's, he's being tempted and tormented by the evil one. He was stripped naked and hanging there on the cross. And, and lastly, we see that Jesus was ultimately forsaken as David had been. Jesus had already been abandoned by his friends, and now God, too, seemed distant. And maybe you felt this. Maybe, maybe you can think of a time right now where you were crying out to God and he felt distant. Can you remember the pain that you felt? And this pain is heightened and even more so for Jesus as he's hanging there on the cross. Because God ultimately was allowing Jesus to go through this, allowing him to go through this suffering as as the innocent one, as one who did not ultimately deserve it, but someone who willingly took it. Jesus was willingly on the cross to sacrifice himself for our sins. This is good news, church, but there is a weight to it. Jesus didn't respond to the mockery when they said to come off the cross. He, he didn't respond to those things and, because he knew the will of his Father. He knew what he was there to accomplish. And oftentimes, when we look at this story, we lo- like to look at those people who were there and we think, how could you? How, how could you sit there and, and crucify the one who had been healing the lame and the leper? The one who had done no wrong. The one who was giving um, blind people the gift of sight and deaf people the gift of hearing. The one who had done no wrong and no fault could ultimately be found against him. I was sitting there and I was having these thoughts. But quickly, as I even prepped this message, I had to repent Because so often I do that, I sit in judgment to the people who ultimately put him on the cross, and I have to realize that that I'm not to see myself as better than, but I'm to see myself as one of them, as one of the people who ultimately nailed Jesus to the cross. In Matthew 27, I I very specifically am one of the evildoers mocking him, telling him to come off the cross. We all are. That is who we are. So we see in Psalm 22 that David suffered, and in Matthew 27 that Jesus suffered. And why is it important that we point this out? Well, in this, we don't, we don't ultimately know, as I said, why um, David suffered, but, but we know that he wasn't innocent. And while we many times throughout the Psalms and throughout his story, we see that he was suffering unrightly, unjustly, um, we know that even though he was a man who pursued God, he was not perfect. So any suffering that he did encounter, he ultimately deserved. 
which doesn't sound like the, the positive, encouraging note, but, but it's the reality. Because he wasn't perfect, just as we aren't perfect. And if, if you are in Christ and you're hopefully pursuing God and, and holiness, there are going to be times you fall. You don't pursue him perfectly. And at times we suffer because of our own sin, right? I'll be the first to admit that. But other times we, we, we suffer because we live in a fallen, broken world. And we live with other people who are sinful. You are sinful. I am sinful. Just as David was sinful, right? That's the theme. But who stands out? Jesus. He wasn't sinful. He was innocent of any wrongdoing. But what did, did Jesus ultimately have to suffer? What did he suffer? He, he suffered humiliation. He suffered mockery. He, he, he suffered the, the weight of being the final sacrifice for our sin. Jesus had to suffer pain and ultimately a brutal death. But why did he have to suffer he had done no wrong, right? Well, that takes me to my next point. Why Jesus had to suffer. So we cannot uh, sit here on Good Friday without understanding why this suffering was necessary. Good Friday is at the same time the worst and best news ever. Now let me explain. If we continue in Matthew 27, uh, verses 50 and 51, we're going to see something that's really important. So he's hanging on the cross. He goes through all of this. And then, when, and Jesus cried out, verse 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. What a picture. Can you imagine being there? So Jesus is on the cross, and, and he's accomplished what he came to accomplish, so he, he yields up his spirit. And then when he did that, the, the temple curtain, which was used in the Old Testament to separate the holy place from the holy of holies, or the most holy place in the Old Testament temple, that curtain was torn in two. In the Old Testament, just to give you some background, God dwelled with the people in the temple, in the holy of holies. And man could not go back there because they were sinful, and if they did, they would surely die. And only one time a year could even the priest go back there to make an atonement for the sins of man. A spotless, a spotless, unblemished animal would ultimately have to serve as a sacrifice for the man, the mankind. This death, the death of Christ, represents the true day of atonement. When it says here that the curtain was torn, the, the need for a yearly atonement of sin was gone. Additionally, the torn in two, the curtain being torn in two signifies a removal of separation between God and man. Now this is important because we have been waiting, they've been waiting for this moment for thousands of years since ultimately since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they've been waiting for this moment when God could dwell with man again. 
People have been waiting for the Messiah to come, and he came differently than expected, but his death gives us access to God himself, an access we had not had. God could dwell among men because the, the final atonement had been made, because Jesus had died. Jesus was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. He is the propitiation for our sins. Now, if we, if we would take a step back and we look at the moments that led up to the death of Christ, and I want you to imagine for a moment the scene at hand. So Jesus had been whipped, beaten. He, he was char- sentenced to death and then tasked to carry his own cross up a hill. And Jesus' friends are gone, but, but let me ask you, where are you in this scene? Because I'm no longer allowing us to be flies on the wall, but we need to put ourselves in the story. Where would we be? Well, apart from Christ, we are the mockers. You, we must understand this. This is crucial. We are the ones who sentenced Jesus to death. We are the reason Jesus died. And Jesus did it willingly. Why? The innocent one. Why would he do so willingly? Well, as we see in Scripture, God's standard for us to reach heaven is perfection. Okay? So in order for you or me to get to God, you must perfectly obey all of his commands. Because God cannot allow sinful people to enter his presence or they would die. God is holy and we are not. We are sinful. And even our good deeds are filthy rags in the eyes of God. We, in our sin, put Jesus on the cross because we choose daily to disobey what God has said to be right. And what do we deserve for this? We deserve to suffer for an eternity in hell. Every one of us deserves punishment. And we deserve the death sentence that Jesus received because that cross that he died on was ours to bear. Why did Jesus have to suffer? So we wouldn't have to. Why would he do so willingly? so that we wouldn't have to suffer. He sacrificed himself for us. Church, this is good news. The worst news in the world is that we deserve to go to hell because of our sin. But the best news in the world is that we don't have to because Jesus bore the cross for us. He took our place, church. Good Friday is a dark day. The blameless Son of God died on our behalf. So then why do we call it good? Why is Good Friday the worst and the best news ever? Well, you see, as I explained, we deserve eternal punishment, hell. And and in our sin, we sentence the innocent one to death. But it's good news because he took our place. He suffered for us. So what does that mean for us right here and right 
now. Well, church, for those of you who place your faith in Christ, this day is the day to remember the ultimate sacrifice made by the one who didn't deserve it. And let that truth, let that, that promise ultimately lead you to your knees in worship. What else could we do when we experience this news than to fall on our knees in worship of the one who took our place? We must go to him directly. Maybe there, in that worship you, you need to confess sin as we did before. And, and maybe in that time you also need to remember how this sacrifice offers hope amidst any suffering. The curtain was torn, and God no longer remains separated from us. He dwells with us. So Christian, worship God. Go to Him in thanksgiving that He allowed His Son to suffer so that we wouldn't have to. And for those of you who have never bowed your knee to Jesus, the reality is is that God demands payment for our sin. On your own, You will never reach God. You will never earn His favor. And you will die in your sins and go to hell. That is bad news. But it doesn't have to be your story. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins. And and what it takes, all it takes for you is repentance and faith. You must bow your knee to King Jesus in faith and give Him control of your life. His payment has covered all of my sins, and my eternity is secure in Him, not because of anything I do, but because of what He already did. Good Friday shows us that God has perfect judgment for our sin, but He has great grace to allow His Son to pay the price for it. You must wrestle with this and give your life to Him. This is the call for you. Jesus is the greater David because he ultimately suffered on our behalf. And church, Good Friday ultimately is only good news but because of what happens on Sunday. And spoiler alert, if you didn't know that Jesus doesn't stay dead. And on Sunday, he he came back to life. If he hadn't, this payment would be worthless. But, but Jesus left the tomb and rose again, proving that his death did, in fact, pay the penalty for our sins. Prepare your hearts. Go to him and worship and confession. And let's anticipate Easter together. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that your word is true. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to to take the penalty for us. Lord, thank you that you did not spare your son. Lord, would that be our hope in the midst of any suffering? Would that be our hope in the midst of any chaos? And Lord, would that be our ultimate hope for eternity? Would it not be on us? Would we realize and remember the weight of the cross as we reflect this day? And Lord, would that weight of reflecting on the cross ultimately lead us to a greater place of worship on Sunday? Lord, would you move in a mighty way? And Lord, I pray if there's anyone who has not bowed their knee, that they would do so. 
that they would understand the call of repentance on their life and realizing what you did for them and that they would turn to you in faith. They'd stop relying on themselves. They would realize that this is true and Lord, that they would turn to you. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us. In your name we pray, amen.